This could be for you. Hey everyone, welcome to another excellent edition of Steve Made a Game Show, otherwise known as Smags, with your host here, Steve, otherwise known as the host of Smags. I'm here with today's guest, who is Brad. Brad, thanks for joining. Thanks for having me, Steve. It's great to have you on, Brad. You're part of a podcast game show. If you could be part of one other game show in history, what would it be? It had to be the Japanese game. I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but it's the one where they try to jump through the phone cutouts. Yes. To make that figure with your body just seemed pretty fun. Or, you know, if you fail, you fall in the water and you get wet. Win-win. Dude, that is the best reference possible. I forgot all about that. I haven't watched that since the earliest days of YouTube. I just searched it, and it's called Brain Wall. Yes. That is such a good answer. I'm giving you 25 smag coins right now. Ooh. That's going to move you up on the leaderboard, but uh, there's still a lot of points for you to, to gain to ascend to the top of the leaderboard, and you'll have three chances to over the course of three rounds. Round one is going to be the category round. Inside the category round, I've crafted three categories geared specifically towards your interests. There's three questions in each category, 50 points, 150 points, and 250 points. We'll then go on to the persuasion round. I'm going to give you a, a prompt and I want you to convince me in your most convincing tone possible and the audience what uh, the definitive answer to this question is. However convincing you'll be, I'm going to give you more points for that. And then we're going to move on to the third round. That's the lightning round. That's the final round. I'm going to give you another question slash prompt. You'll have 45 seconds to deliver as many answers as you can, and then you'll get 10 additional points for each correct answer you get. So are you ready to rock here on another episode of Smags? I'm ready to rock and roll. Oh, man, there's a lot for these ample speakers to handle. I hope our audience has their special heavy-duty headphones on right now. Your categories for the category round are going to be Cooking Meats, Minute Math, and Lord of the Rings Films. Which would you like to start off with? Let's do a fan favorite, Lotar. Lotar? What dollar amount? Let's just let's start easy. 50 points for Lotar. Lotar for 50. Which Lotar actor... And for the audience that doesn't know Lotar, that's Lord of the Rings. Which Lotar actor received an Academy Award nomination for his acting in The Fellowship of the Ring? Mm, that's going to be tough. Ooh. A lot of actors to pick from, but what do you think the Academy, who are they most impressed by? I'm going to go Viggo Mortensen from Aragorn. Ooh, the answer was, who is Sir Ian McKellen? Ah, uh, Sir Ian Gandalf. Yeah. It's probably from You Shall Not Pass, you know. Powerful line. Where do you want to go next? Do you want to redeem yourself and, and go for the 150 in Lord of the Rings? Yeah, let's try that. I need to get a confidence booster as soon as I just watch these. Ooh, then you should be really ready for this one. So as you know, each film in the original saga has a scene that plays out before the movie's title card is actually shown. So for 150, I want you to describe the events that unfold on screen before that title card is shown in each movie. So Fellowship, Two Towers, and Return of the King, tell me each of those. The Fellowship is the war of the ring. It's or the original battle with the ring with Sauron. Mm -hmm. The third one is Smeagol, also known as Gollum, before he found the ring. 
the whole fighting scene with his little boat partner, isn't it? Ooh, do you know what the name of the boat partner is? I'm not going to withhold any points if you don't, but that's just like, uh, can you impress the audience? Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head his boat partner's name. And what is the second one? Hmm. Let me think. Oh, you get a re... The second one's the recap of Gandalf versus the Balrog, isn't it? It is. There you go, Brad. Confidence boosted. 150 smag coins. You almost got the uh, slime Balrog, but they didn't end up wanting to show it, which is supposed to be like the Balrog after it got all of its flame put out. But no, CGI wasn't allowing for it. Yeah, that was, what, 2002, 2003? I mean, they were editing them all at the same time, so yeah, probably. In 2020, though, you just earned yourself 150 smag coins, so you got some momentum, 250 in low tire. Do you want to take that one on? Let's do it. I might as well. Okay. I want you to fill in this quote for me, Brad. Look to my coming at blank, at dawn, blank. It's to my coming on the, isn't it though? It's Western, on the west on the 10th night or something. So say it one more time so I can get your full answer. Look to my coming to the west on the 10th night. Uh, I don't know. That sounds wrong, but it's the morning. It's interesting. You're really you're you're close, but you just like twisted a few of them. So look to my coming at the first light on the fifth day. At dawn, look to the east. Oh man, that was a tough one. It was the 250 one. That's why we saved it for last. Uh, I was in the general range. I feel I feel a good confidence booster. May not have gotten the points, but yeah, it's all about the journey, not the destination. Yeah, I mean, hey, look, even in the fellowship, they made that wrong turn, went up in the mountains. Had to turn back around and find a new path. Would have never figured out what happened to Ballin. This is you right here. This is this is an illustration of you finding Ballin right now in the next category. Where's that dwarf hiding? You want to go to cooking meats or to minute math? I'm afraid of math. <laughs> I have have this this fear of uh, being under pressure. Let's let's try cooking meats. You know, I'm going backwards in time. You know, I wa- I just watched Lord of the Rings. I cooked some meat the other day. So let's go there. It's fresh. It's vivid. Okay. Recency is going to be used towards your advantage. So for 50 smag coins, Brad, hypothetically, the weather is awful outside. So grilling on the barbecue is going to be a no-go, but we still have a hankering for burgers right now. So I want you to use my George Foreman grill and prepare some burgers. And when you do that, I want you to tell me what year was the George Foreman grill first released. And I'm going to give you a plus minus of one year. So even if you're not right on the money, you'll have some threshold to work with. Foreman Grill. I feel like that is definitely from our childhood. Hmm. Shoot. Well, I always remember it being a thing. I can only remember things since like, I was like three or four. So let's go uh, 95. 1995. It actually was released in 1994, but we're giving you that grace period. So you get your 50 points. That weird just memory turned on at like three or four. Everything else before that just blanks late. What is that? I like the logic you laid out, right? It, it wasn't in the blank slate time zone, so you knew, okay, the fact that you remembered it, that's logical, yeah. Do you want to do cooking meats for 150 next? Let's try a math 150. Oh, so not math 50. Do you want to jump all the way up to math 150 first? Yeah, because if I, if I lose at 150, I'll just revert back to cooking. <laughs> okay, math for 150. So, Brad, I'm going to invite you for these math questions. If you want to have a piece of paper and a pencil, feel free to. You're also allowed to use a calculator, but I'm not going to let you use anything else on Google to search for any clues. 
uh, because there's going to be some unit conversions here. So you're not going to be allowed to look up unit conversions, but you can use a calculator. Oh, man, it's definitely going to be tougher. If you don't know the conversions <laughs> off the top of your head, let me know. And then I'm going to dock you some points. It's like a payment for a price. I'll give you the unit conversion. Yeah. So for 150, here's your minute math question. It's Saturday. And naturally, you have 30 standard cans. That's 12 fluid ounces of strawberry lemonade. Convert this and tell me how many quarts of strawberry lemonade you have. Oh, uh, shoot. How many ounces are in? Well, is it a bigger point deduction if I ask ounces to cups? No. So 12 fluid ounces is going to be one and a half cups. Is it an ounce? Yeah. Is 12. Or 12 ounces? Yeah. Brad, you have one minute, and your time begins now. How many cups are in a quart? Or just build me up there. I've already given you one one conversion. Uh, what is it? Quart, pint, pint. So you said one and a half cups was 12 ounces, right? Mm-hmm. 360... That doesn't sound right. Time. That doesn't sound right at all. So you'd have to do for this one, you have your 12 fluid ounces is equal to one and a half cups. There's a couple ways you can convert it, but if you say two cups to a pint, yeah, then it, if it's one and a half cups, then it's three quarters pints. Or then, uh, and then there's two, cu- two pints to a quart. Oh, see, I had that. I had the Q, Q, two Ps, and then I knew it, two Cs. Shoot. Shoot, indeed. You had your algebra set up. Uh, maybe the time was a little tight. So you had three-eighths, and then you just times it by 30 cans. So it's 11 and one-fourth. Yeah, I was like sitting here. I was like, it's two. Either way, I had to know the C's to P's. Do you want to go for another math question, or do you want to go back to cooking meats? Let's just go back to cooking meats. Strike it out on points. It's tough. For 150 points, Brad, I'm asking you to cut a delicious beef brisket. What part of the cow would you cut to get that brisket meat? To get the brisket itself. Yeah, if you're diagramming a cow and you're slicing it up, what part of the body is going to be brisket? I know it's in the front. It's definitely got to be part of the meatier part of the leg. How did I describe that part? I'd say it's it's definitely it's definitely in the front region of like not the leg, it's the joint of the leg, which would be like the hippish area, I guess, on a cow. Front legs or back legs? Front. Round is the back. All right, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna give you your 150 because we don't have a, a straight diagram for you to describe, but I have it written down as the chest or like the pectoral area of the cow. I was thinking it's the, it's not the leg itself, but it's like the joint of the leg. Yeah, or like right around there. You know where your brisket is. That earned you 150 smag coins. Do you want to round out cooking meats, or do you want to jump back into some math? Let's go back to math. 50. Maybe I can get a conversion for once. All right, 50. Again, pencil and paper, write this down so that you can follow the stats. So you remember Darius Hayward Bay? A lightning fast man for the Raiders. Exactly. He was drafted by the Raiders explicitly because of his 40-yard dash time. That's the only reason Al Davis drafted him. That's all you need, speed. He ran a 4-3-40, so 4.3 seconds to run 40 yards. Now, Brad, if he sustained that pace indefinitely, how much time would it take him to run one mile? You have one minute, and your time begins now. Do I need minutes or seconds? Seconds is fine. 
189.2. That's correct. So how did you do your math? I converted yards to feet. So 40, so 40 yards became 120 feet. And then 5,280 divided by 120 gave me the amount of 40-yard chunks I'd have to run. And then I times that by 4.3. That's just sound problem solving right there. Yep, 189.2 seconds. Much better than my hodgepodge of 30 cans of lemonade. Yeah, I think you're figuring out how to organize your thoughts into the, the minute math criteria here. It's been a long time since I've had to do quick unit conversions, and especially when you don't write them out. Yeah. yeah. Let's, go, let's go back to cooking. Okay, let's finish up cooking here for 250 Brad, I'm asking you to cook pork for dinner, and you need two different plates. One is going to be a pre-cooked honey-baked ham, and number two is going to be fresh chops right off the pig. So for both of these, each of these plates, I want you to tell me what is the internal temperature these meats have to reach to be safe to consume. Mm, pork's higher. No. Yeah, pork's definitely higher. It's higher than beef, but lower than chicken. And beef's like 125. I know chicken's 165, so let's go down the middle. 145? Which of those hams are going to be 145? Is it going to be your pre-cooked honey-baked ham, or is it going to be fresh pork chops off a pig? It'd be fresh pork chops. Honey-baked ham, technically, if it's pre-cooked, you could serve it as is. What if it's day-old and you're heating it up? Day-old? What's internal temperature recommended by the FDA? Hmm. That one I have no clue. Let's take a stab. Ooh. 160 i don't yeah 160 all right well, you're super close your fresh ham you're or, yeah you're totally right it's 145 for fresh pork but then pre-cooked pork is going to be 165 mm, you gotta go in the chicken range i see yep so because you were five degrees too low you didn't kill off all the bacteria i got an upset stomach i threw up all over your kitchen how dare you? But I, I was safe when I ate the pork chops. So you, you get half the points. We're going to give you 125 for that one. Thanks. Half the meal was good, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can be happy with that. Can't be good at everything. So for the last one, we've got Minute Math here. A super hard one. This one is, yeah, I'm going to give you a tip. It's not a unit conversion, so you're out of the woods on that. But it's going to be, it's a story problem, and there's a lot of facts I will request that you speak out as your, what your thought process is and as you're writing down or thinking through how you're going to compute it. I'm going to give you a little extra time on this one too because there's a lot of factors. So start writing down this fact set. Let me uh, get another sheet of paper here so I can freely write. All righty. Let's uh, try to do some story problems. So Ford Field's record attendance is 80,103 people. And that was at WrestleMania 23. 80,301? 80,103. 103. WrestleMania. Now, Ford Field in total has 105 bathrooms. So there's an additional stall in one-fifth of the bathrooms. Mm -hmm. Also assume that half of the men's bathrooms have two urinals in addition to the stalls. Now, if 
capacity attendants at WrestleMania 23 decided to use every single bathroom toilet at the same time, and there was no one in line. So every bathroom toilet is occupied. No one is in line. How many people were inside the field watching wrestling at that time? Wait, no one's in line for the bathroom, or you're saying every single stall is utilized? Every single toilet is utilized, and nobody is away from their seats waiting in line. And urinals count as? Toilets, yes. You have one minute and 20 seconds. Go. So we have 42 men's bathrooms. 42 times 0.8. No, that doesn't work. One-fifth of the stalls have six, or one-fifth of them have six stalls? Yeah, all have at least five. One-fifth have six. That means 0.2 times 42. That means, what? No. Two times 0.8 gives me 33.6 at five. So I'm going to round up to 34 at five for that. And then for the women's... That is time here on Minute Math. Oh, dang. <laughs> it was a super story problem. Um, I think you got sidetracked going down the path of the one-fifth have six bathrooms. So I'll walk you through how I got the answer. So there was 105 total bathrooms. All of them have five stalls. So that's 525 toilets. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a fifth of those 105 bathrooms have an additional sixth. So that's just 21 more toilets. Oh man. Simplified. Then you were right that there's two, the two urinals times the 21. So that's 42. So 42 plus 21 plus 525 is 588 toilets. And so I just minus that out of the 80,103 people for a grand attendance of 79,515. Yeah. You pulled out the common variable. I was doing it one by one. (laughs) Yeah, minute math was uh, it was all about efficiency. They had to pull out those common variables, you know, just pull them out. Kids, if you're listening to this, pay attention to your middle school math. It's going to pay off, you know, when you're 20-something years old. When you're almost 30 and you forget things that you can pull out the common factor. You can, yeah. But let there be no forgetting that in the category around Brad, you accumulated 550 smag coins. Very solid score, and that's going to lead us nicely into round two. Before that, though, let's have a brief word for these messages. The following skit is for comedic purposes only and does not reflect a sponsorship of the discussed product. The views and opinions expressed by this podcast are not endorsed by the following company. This is not a paid advertisement. Listeners, are you pretty hungry? And maybe you have a craving from your sweet tooth? If so, you might be reaching on your cookie shelf and grabbing for maybe Morty Seinfeld's favorite cookie, Chip Ahoy's, maybe Oreos. Are those chocolate Oreos you got there? Because if so, might I suggest the more superior offshoot spin-off product, Lemon Oreo. Lemon cream Oreos are not only cookies, but they're fruit. They contain lemon and uh, that sort of cookie refreshingness that a normal Oreo will taste as well. It's going to complement any meal, especially those that have those acidic tomato sharp tastes. It's going to cool it right down with a refreshing lemon creme. It's sold in the family size packaging by Nabisco, so it can satiate even the biggest of family appetites. Stinky Peterson, famous spokesperson for Yahoo Soda, had an affinity for lemon pudding. You go on and on about lemon pudding, lemon pudding, lemon pudding. I do sure love lemon pudding. Might I recommend you try lemon Oreos? Them's good. Okay, and we're back, and we're getting started here on round two. Brad, here comes your prompt for the persuasion round. So pretend someone just woke up from a 60-year slumber. 
they were a big football fan uh, and then they just you know put their head on the pillow and they've been sleeping for 60 years they were big detroit lions fans and they were a successful franchise but now they've woke up and the lions are what they are and they turn to you and they say brad what's wrong with the detroit lions i want you to explain to us the audience why they are such a failure of a franchise and then explain your recommendations how to fix them the one thing that i've seen consistent with the lions is ownership at this point so I would have to point to the Fords as owners. While they are very in with the organization, they help out things, they aren't very good football-savvy minds, in my opinion. They don't know the right decisions, as seen by the multitude of head coaches that we've had in the past, coupled with the amount of GMs. You can't tell me that for 60 years, it's the player's fault. It's got to come up, start from the top. So I got to think it's the, the Fords is the main issue. Now we can go into, how can I say, our competition. Now the Lions are definitely, you know, they have their ups years and their downs. But somehow everyone else in our division, the Packers, consistently good. One of the things that they have is they found quarterbacks that were able to last an extremely long time. You have Favre, Rodgers in the recent past. You look at us, we have Stafford, who for the first half of his career, or not first half of his career, but beginning was hurt or injuries galore. And our competition within our division is extremely fierce. I truly believe the NFC North is one of the harder divisions. You had uh, the Midway Monsters. Then you had the Pack with Rodgers and Favre as one of the top echelon quarterbacks in NFL history. I mean, as much as I don't like them, you can't deny the fact that they're great quarterbacks. And why in particular, especially those Packer quarterbacks, they just do so well against the Lions? How many times have you watched Aaron Rodgers just have a monster day? Aaron Rodgers has made millions upon millions off of the Lions in our botched attempts at Hail Mary defense. How many people can just lob it up there last second and then Mr. No Name will go pluck it out of the sky and you see Lions defenders all over the place just baffled. How some big receiver just happened to get open. Yes, Richard Rodgers, a very slim, you know, easy to miss body walking down the field. <laughs> Speaking of millions being earned, how about Matt Flynn comes in as a backup a few years ago and on a humongous performance against the Lions, he had like five touchdown passes or something, and maybe even six. It was the last game. He threw for 500 yards, lit us up. It was it was a throwaway game for the Packers. Was it any coincidence that happened for the, against the Lions? No, I I truly believe that we just like to make people look great. I mean, for a while we drafted a wideout in the first round for like six years, and it only took us you know six tries. We got one of the best receivers in the game, but just as we had one of the best running backs in the game, we we sucked the soul out of him. We couldn't win. No one wants to want to be a loser for life. It's tough. All the greats. The fact that this team has had historically great players on its roster for many years. It's not like they were signed to a, a short-term contract and then left or were traded. They spent their entire career on one team. And what do they have to show for it? Barry Sanders was one of the best, like notably one of the best running backs of all time on the lines. Recently, they just released the all-decade team for 2010 to 2020. There were two Lions players on it, Dominican Sue and Kelvin Johnson. We had two of the best players at their positions and still could not do anything with them. Yes, we got to the playoffs. That's great. You know, first time since what, 92, 95? Or was it 99? 
we went to the uh, we went to the championship that one year. Yeah, the point remains. You have two of the best positions. One at wideout, which is technically in today's game the second most well the most important skill position beyond quarterback in today's game. If you have a dominant wide receiver, you pretty much control it. And you can't tell me that Stafford's not an above quarterback, but whether it's us, you know, going into game management mode, Lions just don't know how to win. I think that's the simple fact of it. We just don't understand how to win. A fundamental lack of understanding. Heck, we got players that got traded to us. We traded for a player that from the start, he called his agent and said, I don't want to be there. I need to do anything I can to get out of here. Who knows why? Why Why does no one want to come to Detroit? There's has to be an underlying reason, which circles me back. Maybe the Fords just don't treat their players well. Maybe it's known around the league that we're just undesirable in that. It can't be because we don't win because, you know, we have some winning seasons, so we're not complete losers. At least, you know, if you come here, you're going to get a long uh, off season. You're not going to have to have a long playoff run and destroy your body in the playoffs. Yeah, open schedule in January. Feel free to travel to the Caribbean. Exactly. <laughs> you bring up an interesting point about the Fords. Uh, before we leave them behind, I just want to touch on a topic, uh, a fact, if you will. Do you know the date that they bought the Lions, that William Clay Ford purchased the Lions? I do not. I, I... It was no, November 22nd, 1963. 63? Oh, Yep, November 22nd, 1963. It's an important day in our country's history, not just because that's when the Lions were purchased by William Clay Ford, uh, because it's the day that President JFK was killed. Wow, what an ominous day to buy a team. It really did set the wrong tone. Um, I'd also like to come back because this is a persuasion round, so I want you to try and persuade people that might have a, a bone to pick with you about the fact that the Lions don't know how to win. There are some that think that the Lions do know how to win, but the refs are in their way and have actively impeded them from winning. So, you know, you look at the Packers game this year or in the playoffs against the Cowboys, there's these recurring situations where the refs are picking up penalty flags or they're inventing rulings called the process of the catch to make the Lions lose against the Bears. What do you say to those people? Well, I do believe our sports culture of Detroit has a bone to pick with refs. We still put our posi- ourselves in position to lose. No one call should end the game. And now I, lo- I know a lot of these things are comebacks. For instance, the Dallas game, that was us coming back. But the fact that when we played the Packers, they were coming back from a deficit to beat us. And we somehow allowed ourselves to get in position. Even with the blown call, yes, we had a phantom face mask. Because, you know, if you just whiff your hand by a quarterback's face, it's all... Hands to the face, grabbing the face mask, even though it's a phantom one. We still allowed what we discussed, Richard Rodgers, to show up in the middle of the field with no one covering him. The refs didn't do that. The refs didn't do that. They did make a phantom call, which gave them the second opportunity to do that. But we still put ourselves in a terrible position. Also, while you may only remember the big moments, such as the refs blowing it, you often forget that we go into super conservative mode. Or blow the game for three-fourths of the game. Wow, they called us the Cardiac Cats. Always coming back in the fourth quarter. Why can we only score in the fourth quarter? Why can we only do things right in the fourth quarter to make a blowout relatively close? It's just not a winning team. A winning team plays sound football through all four quarters. Or the majority of the game. Not only one phase of the game. Or one quarter of it. 
Right. And they allow themselves to be in these positions like the Atlanta game a couple years ago when they're marching down the field and stop the clock, but then the clock has to have a 10 second runoff. Yep. Not knowing the rules fully. Yes. Uh, in ignorance of the rules, that's an important deficiency that the Lions have. For instance, the uh, the overtime game in the early 2000s with Marty Morningwig, they win the coin flip against the Bears and they elect to kick the ball instead of receive because they want to play with the wind. They proceed to lose the game. Prime example of non-winning culture. Not knowing what to do when the spotlight's on us. It's it's kind of, you know, it's the greatest hits of ineptitude when it comes to some of these stories. Dan Orlowski running out of the back of the end zone. Yeah. Because he didn't know where he was at. And now he's he's a quarterback guru for ESPN. Tells other quarterbacks what to do. But never forget, he ran out the end zone because he didn't know where he was at. Yeah, wasn't that against the Vikings? I think so. He was drop, He was like taking a seven-step drop back, and lo and behold, there was only five steps. Lions football. That's us. But you know what? I still love them. A roller coaster of emotion. Are you excited for this year's draft? Are Lions going to exceed expectations? You know, because if we look at even just this past decade of Lions draft picks, what letter grade would you give them? If we compare this decade versus the previous decade? No comparison, just uh, standalone the 2010s Lions draft body of work. Mm, Martin Mayhew definitely brought our draft grades down. Like, for instance, one that sticks out in mine is when we picked uh, Mikel Ashore, Titus Young, Ryan Broyles, all in the same draft. Yeah. Uh, those those ones. Uh, I think that was also the Oklahoma draft. We drafted like three guys out of Oklahoma. Interesting school to take a ton of prospects from. I mean, we did hit gems, technically speaking, but the gems are definitely few and far in between. Yeah, they're muddied up with Tease Tabor. Uh, yeah. I will say the new regime does cut people sooner than later. They do not hold on to draft status as much as the past would. But if I had to give them a draft grade for the overall decade, I'd probably say we'd be pretty average, which makes us a C. I'm seeing trends that are pushing us. We're slowly getting to a B draft grade. Tease Tabor was definitely a... Uh, a little step in the wrong direction. And I think a good indicator of a draft is you find a viable, you find a good amount of viable starters that stay with the team for the length of their contract and hopefully at least get offered to another contract with the team. Now, I will say that, unfortunately, with all the turnover we have, it is kind of hard to gauge how well our classes have been because there's been a lot of X lines that have gone on and had much success. Eric Ebron most recently. Yeah, he keeps making money. And then others just straight fail. Right. So even if we are selecting some talented players, our own team can't get out of its own way. And so you're left with uh, confusing aftermath. Was this person as good as they are now when they were on the Lions? Or was it the Lions that were holding them back? I think it's a combination of player development and just culture. They just don't want to be here. No one wants to resign. Unless you're getting the mega contracts of the superstars, aka Stafford, Megatron just didn't want to—he didn't want his body to get beat up anymore. Being a warrior out there, just like those warrior fans that gather at Ford Field every fall, optimistic for a new year in front of them, and this is the year when the Lions make a Super Bowl. Always hold the hope. Super fan of Detroit Don, and this is how I get taken care of while we're zero five. I think you've helped convince this mystery narcoleptic man why the past 60 years of his life were better spent sleeping than watching Lions football. 
Oh no. I'm going to award you, I, I was thinking of a number, and then I just checked the stat and I validated it, that the total number of losses in Lions franchise history is 670, and that is the number of smag coins that you've been awarded for your round two total. Go Lions. Go Lions, forward down the field. We're going to forward, forward our way down. down the field. Please sing us out here, Gridiron. We're going to go on to round three, but first, a brief word for these messages. The following skit is for comedic purposes only and does not reflect a sponsorship of the discussed product. The views and opinions expressed by this podcast are not endorsed by the following company. This is not a paid advertisement. Have you ever wondered what the taste of the mountains would be like to have that pure, refreshing water guzzle down your throat? Look no further than Ice Mountain, where the natural springs of the mountains give you that taste and that refreshing, crisp water you need to be nourished. What the heck is a spring of a mountain? Does the mountain get pushed up, and with it, the geyser rises out of the top? At that point, is it a volcano? I don't know. All right, and we're back, and we're rounding out today's show. We're looking at the lightning round, round three. Brad, are you ready for this? As ready as I'll ever be. Here it comes. I'm going to give you this prompt, and then I'm going to say, ready, set, begin. And then that's when your clock is going to start. You're going to have 45 seconds and give me as many answers as you can. Here is your prompt. I want you to name for me all the cities that have four major sports teams. Ready? Begin. It's got to be New York, Los Angeles, uh, probably Chicago. We have it, Detroit, Philly. Denver, Dallas, nope, Dallas, uh, Texas Rangers, they're technically there, mm. not Orlando, no, Miami, no, not Miami, uh, San Fran, All right, Brad, you said no, not Miami, but actually Miami is one of the choices. But because you were so clear in saying no, I don't think we can give it to you. No, you can't. So you did miss Miami. Um, Boston? I think of New England uh, not being in Boston for some reason. Right, some of these are kind of tricky like that. Like Miami, for instance, they have the Florida Panthers, and that's their hockey team. Really? I I couldn't tell you what city they were, I guess. Phoenix, Washington, D.C., and then the final one is Minneapolis. The old, the old Gophers. They also have the old Timberwolves, Twins, Wild, and, and Vikings, of course. Vikings. I don't agree with the Purple People Eaters. It was a protest avoidance. Okay. Yeah, I, don't, I try to blot those good football teams out of my mind. Well, no worries, Brad. That netted you 80 additional smag coins. That brings you to a grand total of 1,300 smag coins. Where's that with the average? Smag contestant. Ooh, we have yet to compute a mean score. Audience, stay tuned. We're going to kick it up to the leaderboard to see where Brad falls on the leaderboard. And then as a bonus, per his request, we're going to tell you what the mean average player scores in Smags. So leaderboard, tell us what you got. In fifth, Brad, 1,300. First, Scott, 1,870. Second, Alex, 1,831. Third, Andy, 1,671. Mean score for all participants. 1472. Also, shout out to Frank from the pilot for his contributions in the Lotar category. 
S-M-A-G-S. My name is Brad, and I just got smagged.